Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christo. Please be seated. You must forgive your brother from your heart. Name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, sometimes uh, we forget how important the heart is. If you read your New Testament carefully, heart is mentioned many, many times. And we have to remember that as Christ was pierced on the cross at his side, they pierced his heart and there came out blood and water which gave birth to the church. And I'm sure it was painful. As a priest, I pray especially for the suffering. And we all suffer, the smallest child to the oldest person, regardless of who you are, kings, princes, politicians, and they suffer. Their greatest suffering is in their heart when they have no relationship to Christ. Christ wants to fill your heart with love. And remember, when you embrace the love of Christ in your heart, your heart too must suffer like his suffered on the cross. There is no growth without suffering. Pain is part of our condition, unfortunately, ever since the fall. And if our blessed mother Eve has any suffering, she must be crying for her children who are in pain because of their great mistake. But she sent a miracle to us, her daughter Mary, the new Eve, who joins us in our suffering when she stood at the foot of the cross. Uh, being a pastor in the church for many years, over 40-some years, I saw a lot of things that I couldn't understand, especially people who marry each other. Now, we know, if if priests know, that when you're around young people, uh, they fall in love sorted. They get Twitter-pated. And the priest, that's from Disney, the little thumper told that. He said, what's wrong with those deers there? And thumper said, well, they're Twitter-pated. What does that mean? It means that they're blind to everything except each other, and they know that, and they don't know that. And I guess if God didn't do that, 
we wouldn't have children. He has method in his design. And so people get married. One fellow came in to see me, he says, we're not even married here, and my wife is pregnant. I, and I said, I hardly know her, and now we're going to have a baby. I said, well, didn't somebody tell you that marriage is for babies? Didn't somebody explain to you the marital embrace produces babies? That's what it's about. Not being Twitterpated. I didn't say that to him. But I know God Twitterpates people where you wouldn't have any babies. Now that's sort of funny. Uh, and, uh, but there's other tragedies that happen in marriage. In our society, encourages tragedy in marriage. They, tragi they tra tell people, especially the livers, to not receive children lovingly from God. Among the Slavs, at least in the ancient days, there would be children that showed up in the village. You know, we didn't know who, they didn't know who was the daddy, they knew where the mother was. But the notion was, well, there are children, regardless. One of the tragedies I want to tell you about has a strange ending. There was a lady, and she had around her a husband and three adult boys. The three boys were sort of confused, but I guess she goes through puberty and into adulthood. Boys are always confused, so are girls, but boys are worse confused. It's a hard time for them. They need a good dad. And every girl needs a good father, need an understanding mother. They need a good priest. But that's, that's aside from the point I want to make. This woman was in icon class, and she was estranged from her husband. And for all intents and purposes, she was a very devout woman. She used to spend a lot of time at a particular monastery I won't mention. And she divorced her husband. I'm sure she didn't bring that up to the monks. Because they would have certainly discouraged that. Marital life is like a roller coaster. It's up and down. You can't be Twitter-pated for 40 years. We are warned by that by St. Paul, who tells us, I prefer you be like me and not get married. But if you must, you're wrought with passion, it's better to marry than to burn. 
there was, I don't know too much about this couple, but I learned about them later. She became very ill with pancreatic cancer. And she didn't want to take the medication because it makes you sicker. But it's supposed to help her. But you and I know pancreatic cancer kills you in about 30 days. So she chose not to take the medication. She got very sick. Her husband, or ex-husband, we should say, who in God's eyes was still her husband, came and took her home and took care of her until she died. That's what you call a romance. Even though they had differences in her need, he took care of her. Seems like there's a lot of concerns about many things in life, cars, money, collecting things. I remember I went, <clears throat> the police called me to go, they found a fellow belonged to a church, our church, he was uh, laying on the floor, he had passed away. And I got to the apartment, and this tea kettle was still uh, boiling that he put on the stove. I thought that was strange. And uh, the a police called me over, he said, here's no one. And they handed me his wallet. That's what they gave me. His living arrangements were very simple. Well, I walked out of the apartment with his wallet, his identification, and then with the help of the police, I made arrangements for his funeral and his liturgy. But all he left was the wallet. I don't know his story. Every man and woman has a story. It's good in life to share your story with others, to live your story, your journey to your heavenly home. Our neighbor, our brother, we should help him with his story, not alienate him, not be angry with him, not steal from him or take his things. The closest neighbor you have is usually your husband or your wife. You're part of the story. The beauty of the heart Now, not all people marry as they take Paul's advice and Jesus' advice to do be a celibate for the sake of the kingdom of God, which is the church. Those people 
fall in love in a different way. Their love is more challenging in some respects, but it must be giving. They do this many times for their neighbor. They want to help their neighbor or their brother or their sister to gain eternal life by example and by prayer. They tell the story of Catherine Emmerich. She was a German mystic and she was very poor. But she had a friend, another girl, it's her friend. And uh, they wanted to both become cloistered religious. But Catherine was poor, and in those days, you almost had to be an aristocrat with money to pay a dowry to get into a convent. But the other girl was fairly well off, and so they both went to apply to the nuns to enter the convent. And uh, the girl, well, they said, well, you can come, but Catherine can't come. I don't know if that was her religious name or if, I don't know her civilian name or her name before she became a nun. And uh, so anyway, because they wanted the other nun, they took her too. So they took the two, two girls. But they made her life sort of miserable because she was poor. But what they failed to realize was that uh, she was very close to Christ. She had a real bridegroom. And her heart belonged to him. She was, after a while, ill. And then Napoleon was crossing Europe, you know, conquering Europe. And he closed the convents and monasteries. So she, her sister came and got her and took her home. And she could not eat. She had a hard time eating. And her sister, you know, being German, she must have insisted that she eat, but it just made her sicker. And so anyway, not to make the story too long, uh, she would kneel before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, like in the Roman church where they have communion rails. There's supposed to be a table for the Lord's Received uh, the Lord. I remember when I was a youngster, we'd go to the Roman church once in a while, old-time church. They would have a cloth across that rail, so you would kneel down and put your hands under the cross, and the priest would come to give you Holy Communion. All those things have seemed to have disappeared, but maybe not, maybe somewhere. But she would go and kneel there and pray, and she'd ask our Lord 
She said, oh, I, she was saying, I'm suffering. When, when is my suffering going to end? And he said to Catherine, not yet. She, he said to her, my church is suffering and you're suffering in union with the church. Why, she thought, I'll answer for her, because you're my bride. Your heart and my heart beat as one. That's real love. When your heart and the heart of Christ beat as one, like when Mary carried the baby, the holy baby, the child Jesus, under her heart, the mother's heart, and his heart beat as one. She gave him his heart. That's fantastic romance. So I'm telling you this story today because who is my neighbor? My neighbor is anybody in trouble, anyone who does not have our holy Catholic faith, whose heart is wandering, no center in Christ, no notion of the mystical life inside your body, no notion of the glorious soul that Christ as Father has breathed into you. They are like lost people on the earth. We have an obligation to share our love if we love our neighbor. Their debt may be very big. Their debt may have hurt you. You have to forgive them and teach them love. You have to feel their pain. You have to be more than a hero. You have to be Christ in their life. Just recently, I won't tell you when, but recently we had a pilgrim here, very nice man, and he was quite moved by being in the monastery for a retreat for a few days. And the monks, you know, we, we get sort of used to living in the monastery, and sometimes we don't appreciate what a gift it is to have a monastery. What a gift it is to have this holy temple. What a gift it is to have friends of the monastery who support us in our desire to serve the Lord and grow in holiness. So his problem was with his family because he was having a love affair with God and the church 
his bride. We hope he comes back. He'd make a great monk. Don't know what will happen. So I, I, I ask him about, I often ask people about their heart. Uh, they don't always understand what I'm asking, but I'm very intuitive anyway. And uh, he says, my, he has three brothers, their mother and father. Mother and father go to church. Brothers sort of lost. And it bothers him. So he went to his pastor. I know his pastor. And he said, the pastor listened to him and said, you have to be Christ to your family. You have to teach them the love of God. It's hard, isn't it? Maybe you don't love your family. You love them, but you fear them. You don't have the confidence that Christ will help you. You're like the, the, the mystic in the story. She loved Christ, but she didn't love the suffering. I read a lot of books about mystical life. I enjoy them. I get excited about them. I don't know one mystic that did not suffer. The reason you were born, the reason you came into the world was to serve Christ with your heart. in your family, in your neighbor, and somehow to speak of the love of Christ to your people around us who are lost. Maybe in our own family. My dear brothers and sisters, the best thing you can do for all of us is become a saint. But it's, you'll suffer in union with Christ. It's worthwhile. Jesus did not say, come follow me and have a party. He said, take up your cross and come follow me. And for those who were privileged to see solemn tonsure, you see the Paraman was put on the young monk. The paramount is the cross. And the monk is supposed to wear that every day as part of his clothing. You don't see it. It's, it's underneath his habit usually. Or he has a small one or something so it can work. Actually, it's a very beautiful garment. It's probably the most beautiful garment a monk puts on. Usually it's embroidered in red and black. Black for suffering, red for love, for blood. 
So I've had many marriages. And uh, just lately, because I'm so young, people are calling me and reminding me that 50 years ago I married them. I don't even remember. But they remember me. I think that's exciting. And uh, they tell me about their children and their grandchildren, grandchildren and how life is. Was it easy? It's, neither one of them say it, none of them say it was easy. So when I was in the parish in Yonkers, the Slovak parish, I was there four years before I went in the military. I had to be trained in pastoral work. They don't really train you in pastoral work in a seminary. They teach you theology and all these things you have to know. But you have to learn that from your first assignment. And the pastor there, Monsignor Novoyovsky, he knew me since I was a boy, little boy. And then I went from that parish to study for the priesthood. And uh, he treated me very well. And other priests that served him, uh, they came. So the place was not, we lost the housekeeper. She fell asleep in the Lord. And back in those days, priests said, housekeepers, today it's hard to get one. And uh, he went out for his, his day off on Monday. So Monday, I was in the, I had to be on duty, which means you had to have your collar on, your cassock, you answered the doorbell, you talked to people in the office, all that. But Mondays are usually not very, because they've just been there on Sunday, so not too many people. But the floor was um, black and white tile. It was so dirty, you couldn't tell the black from the white tile. So I was scrubbing, the, I said, I'll scrub, I thought to myself, well, I'll scrub the floor today. And I'm scrubbing the floor, and he walks in. Yeah, he was on his day off on Monday. He says, what are you doing? I said, well, it's so filthy. I had to scrub the floor in the kitchen. Priests do not scrub floors. I says, this priest does, because I don't want to live in dirt. Then we had a church. It was huge. It was high. 800 people sitting there. And he would go in and crawl up on a ladder and change the light bulbs in his cassock. So I said to him, Monsignor, you're going to fall, and we're all going to have a great loss. You do not do that. That was bold to me. You don't talk back to a Monsignor. You don't talk back to a pastor. You're just a lowly priest. But he appreciated it. He appreciated the signs of love that I was showing him. When I would get up in the morning, he would be in his cassock, uh, kneeling at his bed, the bottom of his bed, praying. When I went to bed at night, he was doing the same thing. I don't know when he slept. I'm sure he did some sleeping. He would get up in the morning and say his divine liturgy, and I had the children's liturgy, and I would say that liturgy afterwards, because there were 400 communions, you know, 
And uh, it was tough, but I was young. Do that. And I couldn't do that today. And he would pray through my liturgy. He would kneel in the sacristy praying for me through my liturgy. That was love. I'm sure he has a great place in heaven. I really do. He was very good to me. He bought me candy. He gave me $100 at Christmas. Yeah, I had fish in my room. I had a little suite, bedroom, and a setting room. And he'd buy me fish, <laughs> put them in the tank. And he was not an overly sentimental man, but he was a loving man. And he wasn't appreciated. They didn't know the treasure they had. So it is with all love affairs. Be careful. You take people for granted in your family and that you meet. What's well, my wife? They're my kids. They should know better. You must treat everybody as you would treat Christ. I often in the rectory could get up and get myself a cup of coffee or water. wouldn't kill me. And I often ask a, man, a monk to see you get me the glass of water. And while I'm doing that, I'm thinking to myself, does he know that he's bringing a glass of water to Christ? Does he know the tricks I'm playing with him to make him increase in love and service to his neighbor? Distress yourself. Do inconvenience to help each other. And if you have been hurt in your marriage, in your relationship, forgive that person. If I get mouthy, I always try to say that with one of the monks, I try to ask forgiveness before I go to bed in the evening. That's not my intention, but I'm just out of sorts. Sometimes you should say, sir, you know, it's not one of my good days. I don't know why. It could be the devil, you know, harassing you. The love of God and the desire for learning the holy things and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is what you live for. All those things teach you to love your neighbor. And the one that loves you the most, you may not even know. But you know that Christ died on the cross for you. You know his mother stood there and her heart was bleeding. And you know that the mystics, they have tears, but they're not tears on their face. There's tears in their heart as they fall in love with some who suffers for them. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.